0: to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology podcast with Dr. Lee Bacham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it.
1: Have you ever wondered if it's just too late to make that life that you've always wanted into reality? Maybe you realize that you've put things off for too long and you're wondering, is it just too late? Well, today I have a chance to talk with Lorraine Hoving, who is a speaker, radio show host, and lover of life. When Lorraine turned 60, she realized that if she was blessed with 30 more years, her life was already two-thirds over. The weight she'd vowed to lose, the health she promised to obtain, they were all there just in a big heap of empty promises, and she wondered if she could or would ever change. But she dug in deep and decided that she was 100% responsible for her life. She faced the trauma of her past, learned to forgive others, and began her journey to worthiness. She hired a trainer, began to eat healthily, and immersed herself in learning and improving. She's now lost a total of 125 pounds and continues on her path to total health and wellness in her mind and in her body. In 2018, she was blessed with an opportunity to host her own radio show, on uh, one radio network and was picked up by iHeart Radio and she has a show entitled Never Too Late Ever. She has a zest and enthusiasm and her passion is contagious and her mission is to inspire others that it is never too late until it is. So join me now as I have a chance of interviewing Lorraine Hoving. Lorraine, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have a chance to talk with you and we've got some big topics to talk about but before we get to the big topics. Let's talk about how you got to here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about your life story so we kind of know where you're coming from.
0: Okay, Lee. Well, great to be here. And I'd love to tell you a little bit about my story. So uh, I am right now, I'm 64. And uh, when I turned 60, uh, I woke up, it, it was going to be a, a happy day. We were going out in the boat and celebrating and my husband had planned this trip with um with friends and family, and I woke up to the realization, and in in a pool of tears, because I had suddenly realized that if I if if I were blessed to live to be 90, I had already lived two thirds of my life already, and that was sobering because I started to think of all the the goals that I had set out to do uh, many, many years ago and never, uh, accomplished many of them. And one of them was to, uh, I had told my husband, so I've been married to my husband for 42 years and I had told him the first Christmas that we were married, I was going to have the 10 or 15 pounds off that I had to lose. And instead by that Christmas, I had more weight on and I eventually, uh, became, uh, well, after my children and everything, I eventually got to my high point of 275 pounds, which is a lot (laughs) by any means, but on a five foot two, very, very tiny frame, it is um, uh, what I have learned and I, I did go on the Internet about a year ago, and I thought, you know, I, well, actually, it was about three or four years ago when I started this journey of losing the weight now is I realized that I was morbidly obese at that, um, at that weight. And it took me lear- learning to face it. And actually saying to myself, "I am morbidly obese, and I have a problem." Up until that time, I hid behind it. I didn't want to admit that it was there. You have, you know, if you're overweight, you have a way of avoiding mirrors and avoiding a lot of things. And I had hid a lot of the pain uh, from my childhood underneath my weight. And uh, so this is kind of my story, Lee, I had uh, lost my father, uh, whom I was very, very close to at the age of 12 and he died suddenly. I was the one who answered the door and saw a priest standing there and I suddenly realized something tragic had happened and my life was about to change. And in that change, I, I was extremely close to my dad. We kind of spoke the same language. We were very emotional, very affectionate, and, and loved to laugh. And so... Uh, after he passed i had an older brother who was just 2 years older that uh, he took on it as his life mission <laughs> to actually bully me and tease me so at that point he began uh, teasing me because i think in in retrospect he was probably a little jealous of my relationship with with my daddy and so he began teasing me calling me fatty fatty 2 by 4 can't get through the bathroom door I'd look at the door when I was only 12 and think, what happens if that happens? So at that point, when he started teasing me, I was probably maybe 5, 10 pounds overweight. I began to, to hide. And I have been a happy-go-lucky, just loved life, loved animals. So I began to hide. And uh, at that point, I began to eat in secret. Because if I knew, if I ate in front of my brother, even a cookie crumb, he would tease me and, and tell the whole family. And so I began to, um, my daddy and I used to ha- eat ice cream every single night at night. So I started sneaking the bowl down, putting it under my bed. And I remember this because I've tried to track where my eating problem came from. And that's exactly where it came from because I began to do things in secret and I think you're as sick as your secrets and I had to hide from my brother and I remember going up the stairs and knowing exactly what stair would crack so that he wouldn't hear it so I could quickly wash the bowl put it in the cupboard so that's where the cycle began So when I woke up, kind of woke up at 60, I realized all those new years I had promised to lose weight, all the Mondays, all the tomorrows had never come. And I realized I needed to do it from the inside out. I had been always trying to do it the other way around, and it wasn't working. Of course, I lost weight and went up and down, up and down in those years. And so I began a search to figure out what was happening inside. And so I went to some personal development classes, did some work on the inside, and began the hard work of, of realizing that I was worth it, the hard work of, of shedding all those years of feeling like I wasn't worth it, or I was inferior, or I didn't deserve it, And would constantly sabotage me. So that's kind of my journey in a nutshell was finding my self-worth and then beginning to attack the hard work of losing the weight.
1: So there are a couple of things in there just to um, kind of move through the interesting things of of this. One is you talked about hiding. And um, in some ways you were hiding from life. But what I also know is that a lot of times uh, people use their weight as a distancer. It keeps people at a distance. And right. it sounds like that was part of it for you, that it, it created a, a distance for you. Um, I also, uh, in that story, noticed that you, you basically fulfilled, there's a self-fulfilling prophecy of what your brother was telling mm-hmm. you was not true when he was telling you, and you made it so. You know, right. At some point you lived that out, and that led to that final thing, and you talked about shedding all of those beliefs and shedding those l- beliefs sounds like it shed the weight also that that yes. was all tied in together. Yeah. So when, at sixty, you wake up. Uh, there's the practical part of you know how we lose weight, but there is the internal part, as you said. Talk a little bit about what internal shifts had to happen in order to um, to get to the place you wanted to be. And we're not now talking about. Um, you know, body image things, we're talking about health. You were talking about morbid obesity and morbid obesity. A lot of times people say that in a slur, missing the fact that morbid means that it will kill you and that there is um, a a health risk to that. So let's talk some about the shift that had to happen to get you back into a place where you were um, aligning with health, not with the bullying and the false beliefs.
0: Okay, so um, I believe it began by taking a a, a self development class on believing that I was worth it. So within that, we talked about forgiveness, and I had always talked and thought that I had forgiven my uh, brother, but I really, down in the deeps of a deep part of me, had not forgiven him because I felt. He was responsible. So I think it was when I forgave him when I realized that Lee, he was not um, necessarily acting out of vengeance towards me. He actually was having something missing out of his childhood. When I came to the realization that he was suffering somehow too, then I could actually forgive him. Now he's, he's no longer here, but I know for a hundred percent I've, I have forgiven him. Um, because he didn't know what he was doing as a child himself. So it was that. And then, um, it came to the point where I had to forgive myself. And you're you're right on morbidly obese because I had punished myself because I didn't feel I was worthy. And so when I forgave my and the other thing interesting about forgiving myself is I always said, Well, it was just part of my journey. I forgive myself for being morbidly obese while my children were, you know, in their teenagers. I forgive myself. I said it in my head but I didn't I didn't believe it in my heart. And so somebody was pressing me. They said, "Lorraine, you have somebody else to forgive." And suddenly, it was like a light bulb moment. I had to forgive myself for the years like we would go snow skiing and I would sit in the lodge while my kids and husband went up snow skiing and I would convince myself, "That's okay. You want to read anyways." Um, But yet, inside of me, I wanted to be skiing with them so bad. So I had to forgive myself for those years, for those years of robbing my husband of a wife that could go out and do a hike or go biking or whatever. So when I forgave myself, it kind of set me free. In fact, in some ways, Lee, I feel like I've gone back to the child, the the, the little girl in me that was there before my daddy died because before my daddy died i was this happy go lucky free person and then my brother once he started bullying me i hid and i hid for all those years because i believed like you said a prophecy i believed he was correct Mm. that i wasn't worthy and uh so going back to forgiving everybody set my set me free so Then when that set me free, you are correct. I took 100% responsibility. So when you are set free, it's nobody else's fault. You can't blame, I can't blame my brother, you know, like 40 years later that I'm (laughs) overweight. I have to take responsibility for me. It's not my fault that I'm you know, I, I can't blame that I'm short and I'm tiny framed. No, this is my responsibility. So, when I took 100% responsibility for myself, that was another huge step in setting myself uh, free from, and in fact, I know for certain I'm going to live the last of my life healthy and never go back.
1: Which is, is wonderful for you. I mean, that's amazing to uh, the amount that you have lost and kept off is is astounding. Um, that belief, I am worth tie it, t- it's an interesting responsibility and being worth it. You know, there it's an interesting tie-in. Let's talk some about when you say 100% responsibility, what does that look like for you? And, and what do you mean by that?
0: Okay, what I mean from that is what I was saying is, Oftentimes, we blame other people. Well, it was my brother's fault, and or I have genes, so, you know, it's in my genes to be overweight. Uh, I used to think, oh, I just was destined to be fat. So, there's always some excuse, some reason, some other than looking inward. And when we look inward, and when we are honest, like when I said in the mirror, I am morbidly obese. That was an honest to God moment with myself. And so I think taking a hundred percent responsibility is an honest approach that we are responsible. my husband can't lose it. My children, you know what I mean? We can't look out there. We can't look and I, you can't look for the fast results or take a pill. And I chose not to do surgery or anything like that because i this had to be my journey i had to pull myself up it, i feel like it's pulling myself up by the bootstraps and pulling as hard as i can and not blaming other people or expecting other people to do it for me i had to do it and um i think there's some kind of uh honesty and reality that comes in with being 100% responsible because it's nobody else <laughs> We are responsible for ourself, our happiness, our destination, our health. There's nobody else.
1: <laughs> so here's an interesting uh, thing. Uh, it, it's possible to make a shift from blaming others or making excuses to blaming yourself. And that's not the same as being responsible. So how would you describe the difference?
0: Between... Um, Okay, explain that again.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so for uh, it sounds like for a while you made excuses. You know, I was just born mm-hmm. this way. I've got these genes. You know, mm-hmm. I can't help it. Um, that's excuses. Or you blamed other people. My brother's right. teasing me. Um, my father and I always ate the ice cream mm-hmm. together. You know, you can always do the blame. But when you step into responsibility, it's easy to say, oh, this is my fault. Bad me. Um, oh, I like I've been a failure. And so the blame goes from other people. You get rid of the excuses, but then you you self-blame. So that's not about responsibility either. No. What's the difference?
0: The difference is, I think in that word of um, what I was trying to explain, and I've, I've got it in my head, it's about that honest, the honest conversation without all the other Uh, what society tells us it's that honest conversation when I looked and said I'm morbidly obese and if I don't watch this I'm going to kill myself and that's literally what I was going to do so it's getting to that raw honesty uh, and at the same time with the raw honesty I I had compassion to my I I hope this makes sense at the same time I was compassionate so Finally, I said to myself, in all reality, I am morbidly obese, I have a problem, but Lorraine, I'm here for you. I felt like I was telling myself, I am here for you for the first time in your life. Hold my hand. It was almost as if myself was telling myself. In fact, I've started saying things to myself in the mirror so that I could, I actually believe that I am worth it, and uh, so... It was not a turn on me that in that I would feel condemned. I took responsibility. Yes, I've made poor choices, but the 100% responsibility is from here on now. Does that make sense? Yes, I've made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. I'm responsible for them. But from here on now, I might have 20. 30 years to live, and darn it, I'm going to leave them 100% responsible for my health and my happiness.
1: That's the piece that I was I was trying to, to get to that place because it feels to me like the difference between when you blame other people and you make excuses, it's rearview mirror. When you blame yourself, it's rearview mirror. <laughs> you can talk about all the mistakes back there and all the, all the bad things people did yeah. to you, all the bad things people said to you, the genes and all that. And that still not shift you to being responsible, but uh, you said, I am here for you, and I circled am, you know, I am, this moment, mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. what do I do from here, which is where I think we we can then step into responsibility in, in a way. So you got to that place where I think it's the present, and what am I going to do forward?
0: Right, right, because there's nothing we can do about the, ba- uh, like you said, in the rear view mirror, it is what it is. But what can I do today to make tomorrow fantastic?
1: Yeah, yeah. Responsibility, one of my favorite words. Um, Jack Canfield talks about the fact that responsibility is two words, ability and response. (laughs) We have the ability (laughs) to respond differently, and that's Mm -hmm. response ability. That's what that word is about. So then we have, we're looking for what are our capacities for making that change, So when you talk about that, uh, building that capacity, one of the things that you um, talk about is building your Mm self-worth. That's building into that capacity. How do you do that? How do you see building self-worth?
0: Building self-worth. Okay, so some of my exercises, like I was saying, I do talk to myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Uh, I talk out loud to myself. Uh, and tell myself positive things, things that I'm doing well and things that need improvement. So I constantly, uh, as I get older, even talk a little more out loud to myself and verify things that I know are true about me. So this is what I firmly believe, that all of us were created uniquely and intricately. And that in itself gives me value. And so there's a a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt that says, um, nobody can make you inferior without your permission, feel inferior without your permission. Uh, Meaning that I have now taken on my own power and um, self-worth to believe that I am worthy just as you are, Lee, just as anybody in my world is worthy because I believe that I was intricately um, created. I was coming home from a, a speech just a little bit ago and I was thinking about how all the flowers are created so uniquely beautiful. So that uniqueness makes me different than you, But it also makes me just as worthy as anybody else. And so because I'm unique and there's not another person like me, I have the ability to see the self-worth that lies inside, the beauty. And that's what sometimes I repeat in the mirror. Lorraine, you are beautiful inside. You have a gift. And I think that exercise builds me up. And not only that, I, I believe it. Mm. I believe it.
1: Okay, so as we're building self worth, I'm hearing this the self talk, um, and and the two pieces of of really being able to uh, acknowledge what you're doing well, and also looking at the things where you know you need to make some differences, and then looking at how you're unique and intricately made. How how then do you um, how does that build? I mean, how do how you does get it your, build? Yeah, how do you get yourself to believe that? I mean, if you spent all of that time. All those years. So um, if I count it, basically 48 years that you were stuck in a cycle of not building Mm -hmm. yourself up. How do you get to the place where you're believing that and living into it?
0: Okay. So I think even in all those years of feeling unworthy. There was something within me, a thread. And this is what I believe with all the audience out there. There's a thread inside of each one of us that knows we are special, that knows we are unique, even if we're not living up to it. So I believe when I turned 60 and had the light bulb moment, I had to take steps. And I think this is where um sometimes people give up they they want to be comfortable so I had to get out of my comfort zone I had to do many things that I have not wanted necessarily to do I don't necessarily wake up wanting to go to the gym but I go to the gym <laughs> I go to the gym and I and, and guaranteed every time I leave the gym I'm going I'm so thankful I went but getting there has been has been a chore for me. So I think in building it building my self-esteem has taken little steps. I always say if you can just take a few steps and I take a couple steps here, I'd lose a little bit of weight and I'd feel a little bit better about myself. I'd start exercising and I start seeing the improvement in my exercise cuz I hired a trainer and I could start seeing the improvement. So it begins to You you start feeling like you're on a wheel and the wheel is starting to go and you're starting to believe in yourself and people are starting to, um, you know, say things about losing weight or or whatever. And so it builds. But it takes the effort and the action of taking little baby steps. But you build on those baby steps and suddenly you you notice that you are feeling better about yourself inside because you've seen yourself actually do things. So I think sometimes when you feel like a failure and you're on the self-sabotage and, and you can't lose weight and all that, you're beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. So it's the other way around, you start taking baby steps. And yes, I don't, you know, I don't lose weight every week and I but I know it's the big picture, the big journey and all those steps Built on one another after another, have have uh, built my self worth. I really believe. Mm.
1: Good, yeah. That's uh, so. Part of what you're uh, addressing is when people hit an awareness where they feel like they're a failure. And part of what you're clear about is it doesn't matter when that happens. It's right. never never too late. Right. It does right. matter. I mean, it's not you don't want to put it off, but it's it's never too late to make that change. So talk some about that.
0: Okay, it's never too late ever. So even um, and it doesn't always have to relate uh, to weight. It can be anything that you're struggling with that you know that could harm you. It could be. Um, I, I've met in my in my journey. I've met people that have a problem with alcohol, realizing they're on the edge with alcohol. In fact, um, uh, a year and a half or two years ago, I gave up alcohol because I have a tendency um, to to if I have one, I wanted three at night. And so if there's people out there, if you have that issue, it is never too late. If something is controlling you and your decisions, like food used to control where I ate, um, what I would think about, whereas alcohol can do that, or other vices can do that. So it would control where I ate, where um, you know, if it was if it was good food, and the same with alcohol. Where can I get you know a, a nice cocktail? I can't go there because they don't serve alcohol. Those kind of things. When you feel something is controlling you, that is the time to nip it in the the butt, because. If we um, uh, work on those issues, I'm I'm trying to remember your exact
1: question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so my my, um, uh, observation was this came to you at 60? And yeah. you're pretty clear that uh, whenever it comes, you, you don't want to put it off, but when right. it's never too late. Um, but it's interesting you point to that um, and you, you use the word vice. And yet um, the vice is what it is to you or me. And it I, because it, let's say that somebody has no issue with food, they can go eat something and walk away and never think about it again, or mm-hmm. they can drink a glass of wine and walk away and it doesn't affect them. It's not a vice for them
0: exactly
1: but when when it digs in and becomes controlling um because uh, this word responsibility you know when something else external is controlling you it's robbed you of your responsibility
0: right right and robbed you of your life your energy all of that that's exactly right and it is never too late and you're right my, my vice might be eating or maybe having three glasses of wine. Somebody else's vice might be somebody something totally different or they might have, you know, uh, they might have such self-discipline. They don't have vices like I had. So I had to learn that I was worthy and that it was never too late, even though I was 60. Would, would I have loved to have learned that when I was 25? Yes. But... I didn't, so that's what I'm saying. It is never too late. Mm. But somebody pointed out this this to me one day. They said, Lorraine, it is never too late, because I was using that, and, and that's part of my uh, radio show. It is never too late until it is, because when you're morbidly obese, like you said with the word, it means you are eventually going to die. And so um, those are the things that you want to think of in never too late, it is never too late to start today. Mm. So we always put off till tomorrow what we should be doing today. And today is a great day to begin taking baby steps so that you can build on the baby steps. And, and make my life, I can't tell you, Lee, my life is so much different and so much better knowing that I am worthy and knowing that I have given myself such a better chance of living longer for the people I love.
1: You know what I like about what you just said? You said, my life is so much better. And I was waiting to see what the, because of this, it was not because I lost the weight. It was because you shifted, because something inside of you shifted, which led to taking better care of yourself but the important piece for you was stepping into that place of responsibility and and uh, recognizing your own self-worth that's those are the pieces that um, makes it worthwhile it sounds like is that
0: yes mm-hmm. absolutely Ab- absolutely because now i love everything about life because i actually love myself i it, it just opens your whole world up and you realize and it gives you the capacity to love others exceedingly more than you ever could before. Because before, all you were was focused on yourself and what was not good and what was you were feeling inferior. Now I get to focus on other people and share the joy and all the love. And it, it's just it's amazing. <laughs> just makes me excited just to, to think about how my life has changed. Um, you know, what, what, once taking care of who I was and feeling worthy that I am worth my health. Um, amazing. So
1: great story and, and great pieces of advice for people. You have some other advice for people that you wanted to share. Um, how can people get that extra advice from you?
0: Oh sure, I'd love to share. Uh, if they would like to know a little bit more about me, they can go to uh, my site, LorraineHoving. dot com. Hoving is spelled H O V I N G. And I have some tips. If uh, you want to sign up, the it, the system will send you automatically top tips from Lorraine Hoving on how to live an extraordinary life. So it's not all to do with weight. Quite a bit of it has to do with weight, the um, day-to-day way to look at the scale and all of that, but also it has a lot to do with mindset and uh, because it is never too late to change our mindset either and make a difference.
1: So is it on a particular page or is it on that front page if you just go to LorraineHoving.com?
0: It's right on the front page. Okay.
1: So Lorraine, L O R R A I N E H O V I N G dot com, Lorrainehoving dot com. Go That's there tough. for the top tips. What did you call them? The. Uh, to to
0: live an extraordinary life
1: (laughs) extraordinary so extraordinary living uh based on uh mindset shifts based on uh recognizing your own responsibility for making those shifts based on finding self-worth and forgiveness part of that is about weight loss but as you said that was the symptom for you exactly and the same piece yeah any symptom it applies
0: Right. Exactly. Absolutely. A hundred percent. It can be shifted in in so many ways in our relationships. And yeah, yeah. And and it starts with make changing your mind, and then by changing your mind, doing the action, build on those baby steps, and pretty soon um, you'll 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 fly when you see yourself actually accomplishing goals. Um, bit by bit, and it builds on your self-esteem.
1: Yeah, so. one, one of those things that keeps seeming to come up through conversations is, you know, how you climb Mount Everest is one step at a time.
0: Right, <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> There's no other way. Lorraine, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I hope people will head over and grab those tips for living an extraordinary life. Thank you so much for sharing.
0: Thank you, Lee. I've really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you. Thanks for being here.